The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Bruce Richards, the Marathon Asset Management CEO and Chairman, and he joins us now. Bruce, good to see you. Hi, Alex. So I wonder, have we finally re-rated? Like, is the least dovish option now finally priced out of the market, and the markets and the Fed finally on the same page? It's, I think, what you said opening. Like, there's nothing to see here. Nothing to do in March. Nothing to do in May. First cut in June, June 12th. Mm -hmm. And probably three cuts this year. And what's going to surprise the markets is not the three cuts, because they've already priced down from seven, six, five, four, and now they're at three. They're finally where the Fed wants them to be. And what I've been saying all along, three cuts. But what's going to surprise you next is the Tennessee two-step. And what the Tennessee two-step is... I was like, I, know, I don't know what that yeah, is. I, well, I, I, know, I know you love your country western, <laughs> because you know, your daughter and you are Swifties now, and so you love your country western. What the Tennessee two-step is, is he's going to move 75 base points, and then he's going to wait four meetings over six months. Ah. He's going to wait and see, did the stimulus of lower rates do anything to reignite inflation? Did it do anything to re-stimulate GDP? And if it did, they have more to wait for, but it probably won't. And so after that first move and after that pause for four to six months, which no one's talking about in the marketplace, then it can resume bringing rates down to 3%, where I think it eventually gets to Fed funds. So it's like when you went from zero to five and a quarter, mm -hmm. it was like driving from, I don't know, since we're talking about Tennessee, it's like driving from New York to see the Grand Ole Opry in, in Nashville, <laughs> right? But on the way back, on the drive back, really relax, really relax. the rest stops. Let's, let's, we'll, have, we'll have a dinner tonight. We'll stay at this hotel. We'll go see some friends in the morning, you know, before we continue on. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's going to be, the two-step. That's actually a really helpful way of looking at it now that I know what the two-step is. I'm going to steal that. Uh, so I'm definitely, we're definitely going to steal that. So based on that, where are the biggest dislocations that Bruce sees opportunity? Hmm. Well, first of all, i got to remark how amazing the credit markets are and how amazing of a job Powell's done because here we are with higher rates and despite equities being relatively flat, they, they've been screaming. And so imagine the economy doing as well as it is that the fixed income markets have done as well as it, they have and it's all doing quite well despite what is higher rates. And so, you know, what's the opportunity here with this type of environment? Well, I think first it starts with credit because it's higher for longer narrative, higher for now, and then when even they cut, higher for longer later mm -hmm. too. And that's really amazing because we earn like, you know, so for 530 plus five, six, 700 base points, a yeah. lot of our private credit investments, these are double digit returns. Yeah. We've never had a good all of our private credit lenders. And in the, in the credit markets as well, high yield, leverage loans, emerging markets, structured credit, we're earning some really nice cash flow rates return. So yeah. we love that. And I'd start with that. Well, what about those certain pockets of that area right now? Because we talk about it from the umbrella basis and the return or the potential returns are certainly there. I don't know if the real estate crisis, if you will, I put it out in quotation marks, was ever resolved. But we do know there is still a bit of a refinancing cliff coming up for uh, a lot of commercial uh, tenants commercial landlords, I should say, uh, and particularly in the office space. Yeah, so let's break it down for yeah. you. So 
there's about $21 trillion of value in commercial real estate, 21 trillion, throughout the country, okay? But there's a huge debt problem. But you know something? There's only $5.6 trillion of debt. Hmm. So when you think about it, there's two worlds. There's a world of $13 trillion of commercial real estate that doesn't have any debt on it, and they're laughing. Their valuations are down a little bit, but they have no strain, no stress, not losing any sleepless nights, Mm -hmm. nothing. Then there's $8 trillion of real estate that's levered up with $5.6 trillion of debt that's been provided to by various sources. And, And those folks are having a real problem because they bought in, these are the financial folks, at the big, brilliant fund managers and real estate owner operators that use leverage to buy real estate. We all know who they are, and that's the world we all live in, Mm -hmm. okay? And those folks are sweating it out because valuations are down 20%, in some cases for office, 30 40% or more, right? right? Valuations are down, financing costs are up, and the cash flows aren't there to support the amount of debt they have outstanding. And so there's multiple things that then that begs. Right. Number one is the banks. So you have all these banks, and like the top banks in this country, you know, the top 30 banks don't have a problem. The big banks that really matter don't have a problem. They only have 10% real estate exposure. Okay. But it's the other banks, and there's a few hundred of these other banks, the smaller and regional banks, that have like 40% real estate exposure mm-hmm. and in, in debt. And they're the ones that you're going to see have the problems. And they're the ones that the FDIC, silent in the night, right. are going to come in and resolve those banks. So based on that scenario, do you, do you embrace this sector from an investment perspective a little bit more or just kind of stay on the sidelines and see what Oh, happens? absolutely yeah. embrace. There's, you yeah. know, 1,500 different CM <laughs> waiting for this moment. You're right again. <laughs> 1,561 CMBS transactions, 9,000 different tranches. We have them all modeled, and we've been in buying the tranches that are dislocated, number one. Number two, we're buying loans from banks and from you know, the rates and, and providing some liquidity at discounts, of course, on their, some of their best assets because they sell the best assets first. Number three, these capital relief trades the banks need because of Basel free endgame coming. And finally, we're a lender, maybe last resort, but a lender at these higher rates on, on viable commercial real estate projects, whether it's development, whether it's refinancing, whether it's a new acquisition, and we're making really, really high rates returns mm-hmm. on these loans relative to what one made before because a lot of the folks that are out there are impaired, buried under some of their portfolio, the workouts, yeah. and not in a position to be able to be a lender. So remain to your question, we love this environment. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tough for a lot of owner-operators, but we're going to help through a lot of, you know, a lot of projects that need, you know, that extra capital to make it through. Mm-hmm. And we're very comfortable in that position. So before I let you go to that point, um, didn't we just see that article where someone sold an office tower for like a dollar? Yeah, so 360, yeah. you guys heard about Bloomberg. Yeah, exactly. So, so 360 Park Avenue yeah. South, yeah. 22, I think it's 22-story building, half a million square feet roughly. And the sponsors bought it for 300, let me make sure I got my math right, $300 million of, of equity. They put $100 million of CapEx into it to completely refurbish and, 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 and rebuild out all the floors. Mm-hmm. So now they're in for 400, and they've put $15 million of debt service in it. They're in for 415 million, and they have $200 million of debt against that 415. The sponsor, the lead sponsor that owns this building, just flipped it to his JV partner for a dollar, just so he doesn't have to fund additional capital calls because wow. it's burning cash to, hold, to keep it going. And so, yeah, that's not one story. That's one of a thousand stories that are going to play out these next couple of years. Because to your point earlier, Romain, 
we can't, and here's, here's a big point that no one's talking about, is we came into this year thinking 2024 would have about $540 billion of refinancings. Mm-hmm. Maturity walls. Mm-hmm. And the MBA, the Mortgage Bankers Association, mm-hmm. just printed a number of $900 billion. Wow. How do you go from $540 billion to $900 billion? Because it means a lot of the loans from last year didn't get refinanced, just got extended, amended, extended, or as you like to say, Alex, amend and pretend. Yeah. I say into, You okay. say that, or I, I say that. Okay, maybe. you say that. I say that. <laughs> and amend and pretend into this year. So now the yeah. maturity wall is even bigger and more daunting than it's ever been. And that's why Bruce is so excited. Bruce, hey, (laughs) thanks for coming in. We really appreciate it. Come back next time. Bruce Richards, Marathon Asset Management CEO and Chairman. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at cuttereconomicforum.com.